We got the truth. We got the truth. We got the truth. A small business. Yes, we do. We got the truth. We got the truth. We got the big truths. A Sing small it, business. Sponsored by no, Yes, I rent. Yes, I rent. Yes, I rent property management. Place good tents and collect your rent. Maintain your properties and account for it. True. We got the truth. We got the truths. We got the big truths. Small business sponsored by SIREN. Yes, we do have the big truths, Travis, do we not? Got big truths today coming at you. We got the big truths because we have <laughs> Miss Sherry Dodd. With Advanced Global Coaching, as our guest today, welcome. Thank you. It's good you to be here. You are on the big truths of small business. And uh, Travis, give the, your, one of your things today was supposed to give the audience what it is we do on the big truths. Remember? What it is we do on the big Oh, we had a good one today. We had a good why, one. Why are we the, doing the, this? The phone call prior to the, to, to the podcast is always so good, we got to start recording it. Well, I mean, the, the show is the big truth of small business. So that, that's what we're trying to get to, right? The we, truth. We are. You just sung it in the song. Okay. All right, so do we you, are. Do you want to sing it live? I know no. you, have, you have a propensity to want to sing I, it. I do not. I want to get to our guest All because right, this okay. is going south and people are going to cut off. <laughs> <laughs> Sherry Dodd has been a longtime friend of mine and our families. Uh, Sherry, you might know the, how long, but it goes back, I don't know, 10, 15 years or so, and uh, her husband's one of my best friends, and uh, and Sherry brings a unique, uh, I guess, coaching category, I think, to the show today, and uh, we're going to talk about that in detail, how coaching, I mean, the show, Travis, we've talked about is, is going to be the importance of coaching, counseling, outside counsel, board of directors, you know, seeking from outside people to help move you in your business in the right direction. Um, that's really the show. We're going to do it with somebody who's doing that for a living and learn from Sherry. So Sherry, won't you give a little high level background, who you are, where you come from. Any, if there's an interesting story in there, throw it in. But we, we want to give some context of what you do and who you are, what your business is before we get into the nitty gritty. Okay. Well, I'm the founder and director of Advanced Global Coaching, and this is my second career in missions. My husband, Randy, and I first moved overseas as international workers um, when I was only 19 years old. Mm, wow. So I was young and green, and Randy had been 23 for three whole weeks. And so mm. we thought we were grown and knew everything we needed to know. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> um, those first nine years of our ministry in Norway were really hard. And we didn't have the support that we needed of older people who could speak into our lives or talk with. At that time, to even make a phone call cost $2 a minute. Mm. We didn't have the technology that we do now. Right. So when we came home for aging parent issues after 22 plus years in Europe, I met someone who first used the term life coach. And I, in 2002, I'd never heard that term. And when the person explained to me that a coach is someone who comes alongside you and helps you get from where you are to where you want to be, 
my immediate thought was, boy, wouldn't it be great if missionaries could have coaches? Because I knew what it was like to be out there alone and to wonder, is what I'm doing enough? Does everybody else struggle learning another language? Are these people crazy or is this really how they do things here? You know, it was, there were times when I questioned myself, when I questioned the culture. And so I thought, boy, it'd be great to have someone who had had cross-cultural experience to come Mm. alongside you. But of course, I, I immediately thought of all the reasons why that could not ever possibly work. And so I told God, that's a good idea. You ought to get somebody to do that. (laughs) (laughs) But the Lord wouldn't leave me alone and coaching so resonated with who I was that I went into private training and started coaching people I was meeting in my speaking ministry at first. But the idea of coaching missionaries, cross-cultural workers was really where my heart went. And so after wrestling with God for four years, I told him, I'll I'll keep the promise I made when I was 13. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And if this is the next step, I want to obey. But I knew I wasn't good enough, smart enough, big enough to do any of that on my own. Right. And so uh, I surrendered and immediately hired a business coach to help me hammer out the initial business plan. And there was lots of growth and learning for me personally in that season as I started Advanced Global Coaching. So now we're 13 years old. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. So how long were you in the mission field? 22 years. Yeah. And y'all, uh, to restate, y'all are 17 and 19. Was that, is that right? Uh, I was 19 when we went. Randy's 23. Okay. 19, 23. Okay. Yeah. And y'all go to another country. And so, yeah, you're, you're, you're sort of thrown out to the wolves. And even though that, you can't make a missionary is not a business necessarily. You're in the business of doing God's work there. And you are uh, taken, taken back by the fact that you weren't really prepared. <laughs> well, we had been to Bible school and we thought we knew a lot. That was youthful enthusiasm. Yeah. It was a whole different ball game. Crying ourselves to sleep the first five nights we were there, wondered what in the world we'd done. Fortunately, we came on one-way tickets and had no money to buy yeah. a ticket to go back home. <laughs> um, but it took a while to adjust, but we eventually did, and we learned to love Norway, and we adapted and grew personally in that place in ways that can't be measured. Mm-hmm. Now, now, Randy told us the story a little bit mm-hmm. you know, the same way, too. But So when you get off that plane and you get there and you said you really had no mentoring or didn't walk into anything it sounds like that was already developed Mm-mm. so how, how did you i mean why norway how, how did you get there what what's the story behind choosing that if there wasn't already an existing leader there or church there well when we my husband's a pioneer he's, yeah. he likes a challenge and when we were considering going overseas most of the missionaries at that time were going to africa or south america you didn't hear many going to europe and the ones you did hear were mostly in Germany or France. And so one day when Randy was working at our Bible college, um, there was a globe in a classroom, and he just sort of spun the globe and said, Lord, boom. Oh, I think I remember him saying this. Yeah, oh, he yeah, said, yeah. Norway. Don't know anything about Norway, but Lord, I'm willing to go there if you'll open the door. Mm. And so that's how we started going that direction, and the Lord <laughs> opened every door, and then we wound up on a plane in there. With my boots I'd bought in Atlanta and my winter coat from here, I froze to death the first year. Nobody told us. We moved, freezing. We moved in between Christmas and New Year's. Yeah. Y'all do know that Norway's an Arctic country, right? Yeah. 
And in between Christmas and New Year's, there's only a few hours of daylight every day. I mean, like 20 hours of darkness and about four hours of daylight. And that's when we moved. Like I said, we were young and dumb. We didn't yeah. we didn't think about that. We'd seen the signs of land of the midnight sun. We didn't know that that was in June, <laughs> not in December. I, uh, wow. I think that what you just described about um, the enthusiasm, the the young raw enthusiasm to go and and, and be a missionary in an unknown land, mirrors a lot of the raw enthusiasm of a small business person. Oh, yeah, you got a vision, a dream, and you're going to go make it happen, and you think that that's enough to carry you until you get there. (laughs) And so because you've been there as that missionary, you're you're now, for the most part, probably servicing, what, people in the first three years, one to three years in the mission field? Is that the target primarily? No, we have coaches. We have six coaches on our staff, and we help first-timers. Mm-hmm. in their initial adjustment, language learning, ministry development. But we also help people been out there for a while. Okay. It happens in missions that someone... Get stale, le- too. Some, well, that can happen. Someone leaves, hands you the checkbook, and says, now you're responsible for the Bible school. Sometimes mm. you get thrown a new role just because you you are there. And you may not have had any specific training for that role or may just be thrown into a new situation. We also coach returning and retiring missionaries because mm. the... Reverse culture shock That's of right. coming back to what mm. is supposed to be, quote, home and is not really home at all um, is a very difficult transition. But then we also coach missions pastors, mission board executives. We are opening up our ministry now to pastors, pastors' wives, um, anyone in ministry starting nonprofits, those kind of people. We love to come alongside and help anyone trying to do something for for the Lord and His work to succeed, mm-hmm. and that about having that outside source is who we are. So what when so a birdie told me today mm-hmm. that knows you mm-hmm. that you would be the one to describe the difference between counseling and coaching. Yeah, can you do that for us. Sure. All right. Um, two main words will help you focus in on that. All right. Counseling normally deals with pain, brokenness tragedy, something you need to deal with, process, get over in order to move forward. Whereas coaching normally deals with passion. Where do you see yourself five years from now? What would the steps be that take to get there? So counseling often has a backwards look for the purpose of healing. Okay. And coaching has a forward look for the purpose of development, personal development, goal, uh, reaching goals. And so it's a difference in focus. It's not that we can't talk about the past as a coach, but it's usually in how it relates to what you're facing now and how to take the next step forward. That's cool. I've never thought about it no, like that. Huge, yeah, I wouldn't have yeah. articulated I, that. Yeah, okay, that's interesting. Some, some of the skill sets are similar, but the, thing, the main thing that's different is in a counseling situation, you go to someone hoping they can sort of fix you. Whereas in a coaching relationship, the person who's in charge of the relationship is the client. Mm. It isn't about how much I know. Right. I am the facilitator of the process, but you're the one who knows the details of your life. And okay. so I help you process those de- details through the skills that I've learned as a, in coach training to help you move forward. And so I, I come alongside you in a way that gives you support, encouragement, positive feedback, but also ask questions that make you think differently. 
Yeah. By having someone from the outside asking questions that maybe you hadn't thought of yourself. So you knowing Joe the way that you do, would mm-hmm. he need counseling or coaching? What, what is it? <laughs> both. <laughs> both. Let's sign him up. Can we get signed up for both? Joe, would you go online to advance? Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Hey, listen, I, you know, I'm here. I, I'm, I'm, I, you need both. I'll sit down with we'll shoot after the podcast. The show after the show would be my counseling and coaching <laughs> session. I, I, I can see how you would begin. So let's back up a little bit. When you, okay, so just like, again, a small business guy listening, an idea is born or, you know, you feel like God kind of put an idea in, in mm-hmm. your heart and you sort of start seeing the doors open to it and you go, okay, well, at the end of the day, this has to result in real tangible processes, mm-hmm. especially you've got six people working uh, with you here. Um, so this business coach sounds like he was, or she was pivotal, 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 pivotal. Did I just invent with a, a word? V. What is that word? No, pivotal. Important. Uh, in moving and you moving forward. So what, take me back to that time. What did this business coach do for you and how's that translated in what you're doing today? And have you had others since, since then? Yeah. The original business coach was very valuable because he believed I could do what I didn't believe I could. Oh, wow. To have somebody believe in you. Mm. I, I mean, it's huge. And then because of having been so many years in ministry. Can I pause and yeah. say, let's mark that down. If you're taking notes, <laughs> I think you probably need to pick a business coach that believes in you. Yes. Number one. Okay. Yes. Having someone believe in you, that, that helps a whole bunch. But one of the first things that I had to get over, and he helped so graciously point out for me, was because of my years in ministry at that time, I had ministry on one side with a halo around it. And I had business over here like with a vul- vulgar, ugly shadow. Pitchfork. <laughs> yes. So to even at that point to say Christian businesswoman sounded like an oxymoron to me. Mm. How can you be Christian and be business? Because I was thinking of business as like, you know, sleazy car salesman that's gonna, got gold <laughs> chains and going to sell you a piece of crap. And then, you know, later on it falls apart halfway down the road. That was the way. I know not all. I've been mentoring Travis on exactly <laughs> that. But go ahead. Most, most of it. Though. But that was my idea. That was what how I viewed business. And so it was a real thought process change as my coach worked with me to help me consider myself. What does it mean to be a Christian businesswoman? And when I learned it didn't mean that I turned into anything different, but that I had a new purpose from mm-hmm. God to work in an area that would involve actually having fees and making money. Right. But that God didn't change and I didn't have to turn into somebody I wasn't. That's right. And so now I'm so happy to be able to call myself a Christian businesswoman. And that means that I depend upon God because I am a Christian. With Lord, with the strength you've given me today, what do you want me to do? We can't do everything, but independence upon his strength, what's important for today. So he's actually my boss. I've got board members that help me make decisions, but God's my boss, and he's the one that sees every day what I do, and I want everything I do to be to his honor and his glory. And that's what being a Christian businesswoman is to me. Yeah, and I, th- I think it's important to, to restate that um, you, you can bring your faith into the business because if it is you, what we found, the, the people that we want to do business with are the people who are real, the people who are not putting on airs or facades or sales pitches, but the people that, that are real, that we can believe, that we can trust, that we feel 
you know, a connection with, comfort level with. That's who you want to do business with. And I think at the heart of hearts, when you break down a, a human being, that's people want relationship. They want they want that. Yeah. And and we, why can't we bring that in business? We've been talking about a lot in our business lately. Is uh, it's so easy in a in a transactional business? We're in property management. A lot of transactions. A lot of. Uh, I mean, we manage hundreds of properties. There's hundreds and thousands of phone calls in a month and emails and money flowing. And it's easy to put every every circumstance in a, a bucket. It's just one more thing. But there's actually a human being on the other side. There's real feelings, emotions. There's things that are, that are occurring in their mm. world and our world and our owner's world. Mm. And... Uh, I was, t- I was actually with the team. We do a meeting every Wednesday morning, and I was with the team today talking about that. How, how can you slow it down just enough to see and picture the other person's world a little bit? Mm-hmm. Empathy. We've talked about that in, in a podcast. And, and, and because if you can get them to, to, to pull down their defenses enough to just have a real conversation, the whole thing changes. And I think that only happens mm-hmm. when you model that. Yeah. I mean, when I'm coaching someone, I usually tell them in an initial session, I'll share with you my mistakes and my successes. At least you can be smart enough to make your own mistakes. You don't have to make the same ones I did. You know, and I usually get them to laugh with me. But I mean, I'm going to be real with you. And that is so valuable, that, that trust connection that's built. And in any business, the trust connections are important. And how, how we relate to people it's not just about your product. It's not just about your service. It's about how you relate to people. Mm-hmm. I think the ones that are most successful in business are the ones that have good people skills. Yeah, and then when you talk about success, you can talk about that in many facets. You know, one of those is do you, do you go home at the end of the night and sleep well at night because you you're you're, you're tying the knot on relationships. It's not just about the bank account or the P and L or the you know, and that that's been the journey me and Travis have been going through is what are we doing all this for? What does it matter? What, what, what are we trying to accomplish from it? And if we don't have some stuff outside of the financial stuff, we don't have some things that, that make us feel good about pouring back in, then it, it just, it really doesn't feel too good. Nope. Well, and, so, and, and how much, you know, you haven't been in the shoes of your customer. I mean, a lot, a lot of people haven't. And I don't know that it's, there's a lot of good debate out there is that, you know, do you, to be a coach, do you have to have been a player sort of a thing? But, mm-hmm. You know, one of the things I heard the other day, uh, somebody was talking about kind of a rebirth of their business, and they, he, he said he kind of had to fall in love with his customer again. Mm. I kind of had to, you know, really put himself, this, again, empathy, I guess, is what we're discussing. But for you, I mean, you've spent 22 years as kind of the end user here. So when you, when you go to design your business and you start, um, you know, if I wanted to come to work tomorrow as a coach uh, in your organization, you would begin, I've never been a missionary. Uh, a, do you think that would be possible? Which I would immediately do. <laughs> uh, how, how important do you think it is, I guess, to have been kind of the end user? And then how much does that, do you work backwards when you design your business? Well, one of the criteria we have for all of our coaches is that they have significant cross-cultural experience. Because no one who's going out there wants someone who doesn't get it. And either you've been there and you get it or you haven't been and you don't quite. It's a different thing going to visit a country on a vacation 
where everything was prearranged and you can complain about the hotel. And you can you come back. Like and you can come back. <laughs> you're, coming back you're basically yeah. just putting your life on pause and going for right. a visit. It's a whole different ball game to uproot your entire life and take it and figuring out where are you going to buy groceries? Where are you going to take your child when they're sick? Learn I mean, the language, learn, learn the, language, the culture, learn the culture. Yeah. I mean, it's a whole mm -hmm. different ball game to live somewhere else. And so that's one of the requirements we have of our coaches, even though we don't, I don't talk about my 22 years of experience with my clients. Normally they can tell by the questions I ask that I understand their context. Mm -hmm. And that is a valuable gift to them that they know that they are being fully understood. And yeah, they, they really gravitate toward someone who gets it. How, how how would you advise if someone is hiring a, a coach, a business coach, mm -hmm. how would you advise them to know when this is probably not the right fit? Because, uh, again, we're, we're, we're hiring someone because we need help. Mm -hmm. We don't, you know, we need help help get on a, a, a direction or whatever our issues are. And then, but, and so how do you, challenge yourself and challenge the situation to know when this ain't the right fit and we need to move on or or maybe it's i think it's not the right fix it's not what i want to hear H how do you make that decision i would i would ask what credentials someone has just because you started a business doesn't mean you have the skills to be a business coach your experience doesn't equate to the skills of being a coach right and so professional training to be a coach is very very important and there is an organization called the International Coach Federation that is like the stamp of approval on coaches. There are lots of people out there calling themselves coaches mm -hmm. that have, you know, read a book on it. That's not who you want to hire. You want right. to hire someone who's invested in themselves to acquire the skills and the training that they need and actually has credentials. Um, that's one of the first questions I would ask. And that's probably true across the board in business, too. Well, all the time, we, I mean, you, you can go get an LLC called joe's plumbing llc it yeah. doesn't make me a plumber nope that doesn't make <laughs> you a plumber <laughs> my my uh could it, does do coaches give um some of their clients as references or is that a no-no or how do you get i want to hear from people that actually receive the the benefit it's perfectly all right for you to ask yeah. but all almost all coaches give a free initial session okay so you can ask questions and if someone's not willing to answer your questions, that would be a red flag for me. You know, if they're not willing to explain the process and they're not clear in, in helping you understand what coaching is and isn't and what is involved and what it costs and how often you're going to meet, I would want clear parameters. If someone doesn't have a coaching agreement that you sign, I wouldn't have someone as a coach that doesn't have those processes in place. And there's a lot about just chemistry with a coach yeah. you got to have somebody that you feel comfortable with and so on our staff if someone has a free initial session with one of our coaches and they choose not to go that route we have others that they can choose from and I love having a team of coaches for that sometimes I do free initial sessions and I can tell by what the client's talking about that they really need this specific coach on our staff that has this skill set or this niche and I'm just glad that we have that variety. When you're working with just one individual coach, you want to make sure that you start with a small package. Right. Don't, if someone says it's going to cost $5,000, run. <laughs> you know, start with a small package. It's just a few sessions. And in any coaching, real, real coaching, you can stop at any point. Right. And so if someone is not clear to express that to you, 
then I wouldn't hire them as a coach. Now, is there a, we talked about coaching and uh, counseling. Mm-hmm. Is there a difference in your mind and what would it be in coaching and consulting? Because when I think of coaching, when you use the word coaching, I have a, you know, eighth grade football coach that comes to mind and yeah. pretty much screaming yeah, the, the entire time. And yeah, the, every now and then like. he throws something at me. But having said that, he gets my attention and I do what he's asking me to do. I imagine that's not your process, but no. I also have to believe there has to be some form of, hey, look, uh, the, the problem we're talking about today is the same one we've been talking about. Doesn't sound like you've done anything with the advice I've given. And if you don't do something, we're going to keep talking about the same problem. Am I right or wrong there? Well, coaching is not about advice giving. Right. But um, it is about drawing out options and then supporting the person for the options they choose. The client creates the agenda. It's not my agenda for the client. It's their agenda. And then I work with them on their agenda. But I am gutsy enough that if someone is stuck in a spot, it seems like to me the last three times we've talked, we've been circling around the same topic. When do you want to land this plane? You know, I mean, I would be gutsy enough to say it. That Boy, way. I, just, I just got my answer right there, I think. <laughs> when do you want to land that plane, Travis? Check that box, Sherry. <laughs> I'm a- so, I mean, you do pay for a coach to challenge you. Yeah. But we don't do it in a screaming, punitive Obviously. way. And it isn't about, I need the championship. This isn't about me. Right. It's because I truly am championing for you that I want to see you succeed. And if a coach doesn't have that kind of mentality, they'll never be a good life coach. Mm. Right. If they're, cha- if they're championing themselves because right. they need the big ring, then they won't be a good coach. Yeah. That, uh, I think, is what happens quite often in the real world with your friends other business relationships that that people are seeking counsel from often they oftentimes give them way too much credence and credibility in areas that they don't they're not qualified to to be that it doesn't mean we don't get that advice it doesn't mean we don't want to surround ourselves with different opinions we just got to be careful with the source and how valid we're we're taking that in and and i think people do that and and it gets them off balance i'm sure you see this even in your world that that people don't really know what's go, what where they should do because they got so many voices in their ear. Mm-hmm. And yeah. sometimes it's really good as a coach just to help the client sit and be still, be still and listen. What's coming up inside of you? Mm-hmm. What about that situation is scary, or what about that situation causes you concern? And let and let them think through it. It's not a download of my information, their direction. It is more of a drawing out of what's going on inside of them is, is a valuable skill set that a coach brings to the process right. if they've been well-trained. You need to do a lot more coaching with me, Travis. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I need, I need you to help bring out the best in me. If, if, if you'll get with the counseling part, <laughs> then I'll come in with the coaching part. <laughs> I'm going to be double whatever the counselor's <laughs> charging the So if we can, uh, one of the things we wanted to talk about today is this concept of the board of directors, Mm. right? So one thing I think that is missing in a lot of small businesses out there, you know, we got a small business, we got a small business owner, much like we were discussing before the show in the very beginning, it's a lot of times just that small business owner in the room and that's the whole business. 
Yeah, time goes by, you know, some, some more money comes in, some success happens, maybe he or she hires somebody and starts to grow. But one of the things that tends to remain the same is when big decisions are made, it's that small business owner in the room by themselves. Mm. So we're talking about coaching, which I think can be a, an avenue and an angle to that. But board of directors, your organization mm-hmm. has a board of directors. Yes. How important is that for you? Well, I am so blessed that when I started Advanced Global Coaching, I did a master's program for ministry leaders. And one of the things that I had was a board of directors coach. And we went through all of the legalities about what a nonprofit has to do to stay in alignment with the IRS, that you have a 501c3, and that you have to have a board of directors, you have to have bylaws, you've got to have regular board meetings, you have to have notes, minutes. Most people don't know, but a nonprofit is actually a public charity. Mm. If you're running a public charity, you have gotten that designation from the government to do something that the government is not doing. Mm. And if you have gotten that, then you're actually working for the general public. And that's why you can take donations, which means if you came to my house, Joe, as a citizen of the United States and said, Sherry, I'd like to see the minutes of your last board meeting for Advanced Global Coaching. By law, I'm required to show you those. Interesting. Now, nobody's ever knocked on my door and said, here, I want to see them. But for for people who don't have a good board of directors and aren't maintaining those standards, they are, are really running counter to what the government says you're supposed to do as a nonprofit director. Right. And so they mm. instilled in me how serious this was. Mm. And so I was so thankful that I had that program at the beginning and that I wasn't undoing mistakes, but that I was from knowledge and training making good decisions. Decision number one, if you run a nonprofit, do not put your husband and wife on that. They should never be voting <laughs> on your salary. Good idea. <laughs> There's a conflict of interest there, you know. And most people who get an idea of something they want to do, I mean, they probably do this in business too, they grab a friend to help them get done the bare minimum legal in order to get started. And so if you just slap your best friend and your husband and call that your board, Mm. then you're going to have problems. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't do that. And so I have had good board relations the entire time, been through different generations of the board in 13 years. And... It's actually you're inviting people to work in a volunteer basis to be your boss. They well, make decisions. So the board of directors, if I if I can pull this out mm-hmm. into uh, any business, yeah. is there to make sure that the vision, mission, direction of this company is being adhered to. Yes. Legally. <laughs> I mean, in 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 the mm. nonprofit world, if you say you're going to start an orphanage and then you can't get the building, you can't just change up your mind and say, oh, well, we'll just... Because you've got we'll donations just, based on yes, the orphanage. Yeah. You have to stay with the exempt purpose for which the organization was started. Right. And when there is organizational drift in a different direction, it's the board of directors' responsibility and role to make sure that you stay true to why you were granted that particular uh, exempt purpose for Mm. your organization. So like I started as a coaching company, I can't suddenly change my mind and go, well, you know, now, now we're going to coach football. I can't do that. Right. That's not why the government gave me. Was it the charter per se? It wasn't the charter. And also if you think about board of directors for a nonprofit, 
they're kind of like guardians mm-hmm. of a child that has no parents. The role of a guardian is supposed to be looking out for the best interest of that child and making wise decisions for their health and their future. Right. That's what a board of directors is. It's supposed to be watching out to make sure that the decisions are made that are in the best interest of the organization. And so it's a governing board that monitors that. So it's called a fiduciary responsibility. Let's, let's underscore that because I think that's, that, that comes back to what this whole show is, is why, why do we have and need outside counsel and potentially coaches, board directors? And so in choosing those people, and it is so critically important to, to, to pick people that are about you if you're the business owner or your business holding your business up and gosh, be so careful that they're not, that it's not about them. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and that one of my skill sets is detecting that quickly with people or am I hearing them something that's going to prop them up or is this something for me? Um, but we got to look for, for people like that. And oftentimes we reject people too, that, that really are that because they want to tell you the truth and we really don't want to hear it. So we go seek people. We talked about this in our cognitive bias show. We seek people to validate what we already believe and already want versus seeking the truth, which is why we're on the show also. Oh, if you surround yourself with just yes, people, all you're going to do is have a magnification of your weaknesses. No, gosh, that's a great way to put it. If you surround yourself with yes people, all you're going to get is a magnification of your weaknesses. Travis is kind of stunned today with all of this, 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 like, I call him the talent, but he's not the talent today. <laughs> no, I, 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 this, I'm on this I mean, side of the table. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if that's what you want, just people tell you yes and let you go off on any whim you want to, all you're going to get is whatever you bring to the table magnifies. It just glorifies. It just glorifies p- that. Potentially the, the wrong stuff. Potentially. Yeah. If, yeah. if Elvis had a board of directors, we would still be listening to him today. <laughs> Have you thought about it that way? Mm. never never okay i hadn't thought about, about that, that i hadn't yeah. thought about elvis yeah. that okay. no I, this is this is this is so important um i love getting people on my board who think differently than i do oh yeah who can say sherry why are you doing it that way mm-hmm. or what if you know what what if we looked at it from this angle i need someone who has a different perspective than me sure so um i like to and one of the things I did in that master's program was sort of write out what kind of different arenas did I want to have people come from. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted people with good business sense. I wanted people, of course, I wanted people with integrity that cared about missionaries, but I wanted them to have different skill sets so that not everybody was redundant, but that there was this balance that you're creating mm-hmm. with the board so that you have support in different arenas. Yep. Anytime you're pulling a, a, together a, a form of leadership group, you you need to look at that. You know, like I'm on, uh, I, I was on uh, the HOA board, mm-hmm. you know, and you got people on that board that come from uh, a creative aesthetic side. How can we keep, you know, events in the community going and keep the plants looking good? Then you've got the finance guys. How do we not go broke and have margin and have, room for when something big happens you know you've got the the sort of the leader that's sort of get keeping all those people straight and it's just interesting that in the dynamics of choosing a leadership team ship team yeah you need to have different skill sets and different talents and 
and different, um, really different, just like you're saying with your uh, coaches, uh, people f- that have life experiences that are very varied would be helpful, I would think, mm-hmm. in that world. So most HOA boards are horrible for all the reasons we're discussing. The the, the people who find the, themselves on the boards uh, generally all have a very similar personality type. They all have a a, a a very close proximity to whatever decisions being made. Too, I think that's part of the good thing about the board of directors is there's a bit of detachment here mm-hmm. where I'm not in the middle of the fog of war. I can make I can help you make a sound decision. Yeah. Uh, because it's not so close to home here. Yeah, my board functions as a governing board, not an operating board. Right. Their nose is not down into what did you do today? Right. Uh, did we get any new clients this week? Right. They're thinking more strategically. What do we need to do in order for advanced global coaching to be improving in what they're doing next year? Mm-hmm. You know, so they're looking ahead for me. They they're sort of looking for the potholes in the road. And also of how best to care for the organization as a whole. They're not doing day-to-day operations. Right. They they keep an eye on the finances. Mm-hmm. They take care of me. Um, seven years ago, my mom passed away, and Randy was going overseas to fill in for a pastor in Berlin, and he wanted me to go. And so the board offered me an eight-week sabbatical where I could go with Randy. And I was being my typical self and saying, thank you so much for letting me go with them. And they go, Sherry, we're not doing this to be nice to you. <laughs> this is we, for the organization. <laughs> this is the best decision for advanced global coaching. So we want you to take a week before you go to get ready. We want you to be there six weeks and we don't want you working. And we want you to have a week when you get back to get over jet lag before you start picking up the pieces. Because you're going to be a new, refreshed Sherry. And they weren't doing that to be nice to me, feeling sorry for me that my mom had passed away. They were doing that because that was in the best interest of advanced global coaching. Uh And they said, we want you to pay yourself while you're gone. And I'm like, but I won't be working. I go, that's all right. I I would think that. Pretty good board. That if I'm sitting down with a, a, a coach and I've decided to hire a coach, that I need to be hearing that type of terminology, this is in the best interest of, yes, I rent property management. Mm-hmm. It's one of the things that me and Travis, interestingly enough, talked about when uh, we joined up here uh, late last year is one of the main things we wanted to do different together in this business was to treat our company like a being. Mm-hmm. There's me and him, and then there's this organization. Mm-hmm. And... For so long, our organization was just really self-serving for us, which is fine. We go into small business for that reason. But if you really want the business to survive without you and be its own thing and, and, and continue on, then it's got to be its own own being, and we got to start treating it that way. Yes. Otherwise, when we go away, it goes away. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I'm glad you reminded that, uh, me of that because we, we haven't discussed that in particular. It could be a whole podcast, actually. I, I mean, I think about that all the time, though, because the things that we discuss, we do treat it like that. We do. I mean, we, we, we are moving to a point in the business where we want it to kind of run, even if we had to do that sort of, you know, a six-week sabbatical or whatever. And it kind of exposes your business a little bit if you can't go away for six weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, then you've uh, you've created this really difficult job, not a not the ideal small business. But going back to the, uh, I, I love this idea uh, of bringing people in from from different areas. So, because um, t- to me, it's an honor 
Like I think if uh, anybody listening that's, you know, the guy that owns the the car shop and he's thinking about opening another one, he's got a pretty successful one, but we're in the middle of a pandemic, right? Uh, He's, you know, uh, maybe he's been living out of the operating account and hasn't had this separation. Uh, You know, there's so much value in inviting somebody into your world and saying, hey, look, I need help. You know, maybe, and I'm just brainstorming here a little bit, but I'm thinking about whoever's listening and I want them to get it because our relationship and the way we've kind of, uh, we have brought other people into some business decisions and said, hey, here's everything going on. Here's what we're thinking. What do you think? Mm -hmm. Now, this person's not making the decision, but they're bringing us that point. So I'm just thinking of of, uh, when you sit down to invite people in, to your life this way because mm-hmm. you control it at that point. Mm-hmm. How did you think about it? What what disciplines were was there like a CPA? Was there an attorney? Was there how did you structure that? I'm trying to think from the original board. I wanted someone who was good with administration because I knew that was a weakness of mine. So that was a good good place to start. Mm-hmm. Someone good with administration. Definitely. I wanted someone on my board who had had business experience. I wanted someone on my board who had had missions experience. I wanted someone on my board who was a good connector and had fundraising uh, capacities. Um, One of the things that you do when you invite people to be on a nonprofit board is that it's not just about making the decisions. They also need to be supporters of the organization. They need to believe in your vision. That's what I was about to say. So part of what I do is vision cast tell who we are, why we do what we do, and invite mm. them to use the skills and abilities God's given them, there are the life experience God's given them, to help this organization be stronger. Mm-hmm. And so it is an honor to be asked, but it is also a responsibility. So I always want to make sure a person has the both the vision and the time and really wants to. I don't want anybody to do it because they feel sorry for Sherry sure. or whatever, because that won't help them it won't last it won't last so we usually ask for a three-year commitment and then you have the option of up in for another three years and then we ask everyone after they've served at least if they've served six years to take at least a year off then they can come back if they want to Mm. and so i've had different mm, i also look at personalities and how they mesh with who i know is already on the board Part of my coach training is in personalities, and so I always look to see, you know, how how the the synergy is going to be in meetings. Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting thing too, Travis. Is a a rolling group of counsel. Mm-hmm. It's not the same. It, it's counsel. not static. Right. That it it continues to morph and to change over time. One of the men on my uh, board served as a missionary many years ago and is now a counselor. One of the men on my board worked for Siemens in marketing for many years, but they're Christians and they had been a part of, you know, international churches and knew what it was like to live overseas. I've had coaches on my board. I've had, um, I've had financial, uh, financial planners as a board member, someone who's good at spreadsheets mm-hmm. and can help mm-hmm. me when it comes to establishing the budget for next year. Cause numbers make my brain freeze. Mm-hmm. I'm a great coach, but three-year financial projections is like torture chamber. <laughs> so Travis wanted to ask this question. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I might know the answer to this after you define the definition of a coach, but I'm asking anyway. Have you ever um, been in session? 
I'm sure this would probably be many sessions in to get here, but where you say, you may need to come home. This, this, this is not for you. Like you're, you're tormented. This ain't working. Things are exploding and it's continued on. And you knew the best thing was for him to, 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 to come home and, do, and, and change course. Is that ever occurred? Well, I don't have the authority in anyone's life because I'm not with their sending church or their sending agency to tell them to come home. Well, you, but I, I can ask questions to help them determine mm -hmm. if this is, if this is where they need to be. And so by asking good questions and letting them have a safe place with no judgment, they're going to they're come up with that on their th own. Then they can come up with that. Um, what would happen if, you know, starting a question with what would happen if, or if you stay on the trajectory that you're currently on, where will you be a year from now? And if someone says, I'll be dead, I can go, well, I don't think God sent you over there to kill you. <laughs> you know, I mean, if they have not been able to manage their life well enough that they have margin in their life and they have room to thrive, but they are literally wearing themselves out for me to say, if you continue just the way things are, what will happen? Right. Is it just a good question to ask? I'm not, I love that. I'm not saying you are going to be dead. God may miraculously sustain you. But if you think that this trajectory is going to lead you to ruin then now's the time to change course. So can I can I pay you to give me some coaching? Absolutely. I want to learn that kind of dialoguing. Yes. And that's what That'd be very that's, helpful. That's what professional life coach training teaches you. Yeah. Instead of telling people what you know, how to ask questions in a way that helps them process and think. And it honors the person. That's mm. the cool thing. I believe that you know best about your life and that if you are a man of God and you're listening to the Holy Spirit within you, I can say, what are you sensing that the Holy Spirit wants you to do now? Think about this. So in all seriousness, Travis, if, if our property managers went through coaching training, would they not have a lot different dialogue when it comes to the people that are struggling and getting them to a place of resolution that works for everybody with those type of training and communication I skills. I mean, I do think what um, Sherry's describing is a, uh, can be a learned skill set for sure. I mean, I think you've got people who are naturally kind of just gifted, you know, in, in that area of, of listening and drawing things out and this empathy we've been discussing and but I do think it's uh, you can learn it. Well, you can say. I mean, you you went through the training. I mean, where where were you you in this thought process of communication to where you were, you know, after training and then using it? It has to be night and day. Yes. Before I went into life coach training, I felt my opinion was very very valuable, mm. and I loved to give it. And I was the kind of person that people came and said. Oh, Sherry, I just need to run this past you because, you know, and, and my pride would go, yes, just tell me. All That's why it. we have this podcast, yes. by the way. It's very <laughs> self-indulgent. I am the right person to render judgment on yes. what you're asking. Yes. Uh, keep, yeah, I like this. Uh, yeah. uh, and so after coach training, I have learned to value other people's knowledge above my own. Mm. And that humility makes me a safe person to talk to. And people, I truly believe that, my clients 
know on the inside things that I will never know, but that I can help them to know what they do know if I ask the right questions. And it's a very valuable gift I give them that I listen, that I summarize, that I reframe something, that I go about things from a different direction. And that guidance that I give as a coach facilitates their discovery process. Mm -hmm. And when you discover something on your own, it means a whole bunch more than when someone told you something. Right. So would you say, I know this is a black and white question, but would you say that with the coaching skills and tactics that you're using versus what you did before, which is I'm the, I'm the end all be all. I'm the knowledge person. You come to me because I know it. How much, influence more influence less influence do you actually have in their life versus the previous version can you give me a oh yeah if i tell you what to do Mm. and you actually go and do it and it doesn't work out very well then you have someone to blame Mm. you can go sherry told me to do that and it didn't go too good Ah. if i draw something out of you and it goes well you get the credit for it if it doesn't go well you take responsibility for it And coaching requires people to take responsibility for their own decisions and choices. And that's just plain healthy. It is healthy. It's, it's what our, it's what our society needs right now. Yes. Can you, we need to coach our society (laughs) into this a little bit, Travis. I think we got a new podcast. I'm just loving here, learning a lot more about coaching. I didn't, I wasn't aware of here. Well, becoming a coach has changed even how I parent. I bet. Now, unfortunately, our older children didn't get a coach mom. Where, where's my wife? She should have been sitting in on this podcast. <laughs> but, I mean, think about it. If you ask a kid, say he's a teenager, did you get that research paper done? Mm-hmm. He's either going to say yes or no because that was a closed-ended question. He may tell you yes even when he hasn't done it because he doesn't want the judgment or you to come down hard on him. But how different would it be? If I said, son, what progress have you made on your research paper? Right. And he says, well, you know, I thought about a few ideas, and then I jotted down some notes on the idea I thought would be best. I can celebrate. That's good thinking. That is wonderful progress. What do you need to do next in order to get it done by Friday? Mm. Can you feel the difference in did you get the paper done versus What progress have you made? Just learning the difference between a close-ended question and an open-ended question is huge. And that is one of the basics of coaching skills is to be asking open-ended questions. Wow. Do you you run a line of credit with your company? (laughs) (laughs) I I think we'll be signing everybody in the organization. That's what what I was thinking. Uh, (laughs) This could get pricey if everybody's doing it. Group coaching. Do you do group sessions? We uh, we do have two of our coaches that are now doing groups to help just like your team. Yeah. To learn some coaching skills in order to be able to function better. Yeah, I think I think those coaching skills is something that that as you get people and you move them out of their place of, of maybe struggle, giving them those skills mm-hmm. helps them and everything they're doing. Mm-hmm. In, in, that, um, in that example with the, the boy with the research paper, did you hear when I said, what progress have you made, is assuming that you have worked on this, mm-hmm. believing in you. Did you get it done? Doesn't have a lot of belief. That's right. 
but believing that you have thought through this, that you are working on this, lending him my belief in him while he works on it. And then if he says, well, I need to do X, Y, or Z, I can say, what support do you need in order to get that done? Then I can be supportive of his processes instead of telling him how to do it. Mm-hmm. And as parents, we often tell our kids what to do and how to do it, as opposed to teaching them the skills of developing their own processes. Right. Yeah, I really like the idea of avoiding being kind of the scapegoat and, mm-hmm. and sort of positioning yourself as, as the problem. So, so I got to ask, too, I mean, one thing Joe and I had talked about, you were a missionary 22 years, you're coaching I gotta have some story. I gotta have a story or two. I, I, I gotta have, and it could be a coaching win as well. It can be, hey, this was a situation turned out this way. Didn't see it going that way. Boom, home run. But yeah, what you got? One one of my favorite coaching was early on when I first started coaching. I didn't do video, only did audio, and I was challenging this young worker. Would you be willing to? The way I ask for things is, would you be willing to accept as an assignment? If something has come up through our conversation, I think it's going to be good for them. Would you be willing to accept as an assignment? And I gave what the assignment was, and all of a sudden she got quiet. I go, wait a minute. What was that pause about? She said, did I pause? I go, yeah, you paused. What was the pause about? She said, my daddy told me I'd never amount to anything. And I said, well, you got two daddies. You got an earthly daddy and you got a heavenly daddy. She said, yeah, I've dealt with the voice of my earthly daddy before in counseling. I said, well, which daddy do you want to listen to today? She said, I think I want to listen to my heavenly daddy. I said, well, what does he say? She says, he says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And she went on and did what was the action item that I was requesting. Mm. But if I hadn't have heard the pause Mm -hmm. because I was really listening to her, then that sabotaging voice from the past would have probably shut her down. Mm. But because we were able to bring that to the light and go, that is a voice that you've heard before, but you know you don't have to listen to that one. And she went on to do. And to me, that was the great value of listening so deeply that I'm even listening for what they don't say. Mm. I'm listening for a pause, a hesitation, and we can go explore that. That's pretty awesome. Listening for what they don't say. I'm, I'm writing it down. I've been fake writing down your quotes, but <laughs> listening to what they don't say, well, that's pretty good. Yeah. So sometimes you got a client and they're just rattling off all kinds of accomplishments. And if you're listening in between the lines, what they're not saying may be an insecurity that they need to have weeded out. This, this, this can, again, be applied in so many other places in business. If you're on a you know, so in our business, we're solving problems for people. People call us because they have problems with their property, and they want. Most of the time, they're just done with it. And they want somebody to take it over and manage it for them. And the better we get at understanding and listening to what the real problems are, the more likely we are to to put them at ease. Mm-hmm. And and because we we really believe that for the most part, we are their best solution. There could be situations where that's not true, but but if we are, it it hurts them not to make the decision to come do business with us. But but sometimes again, if we're coming at the offensive side, if you're telling them too much <clears throat> of what you can do for them instead of asking them what would make this a better situation for you, right? 
If you listen, then you don't have to tell them everything you can do and try to impress them with that. Right. You can find out where that place is. And it may just be, I can't manage this property any longer because it is causing divisions in my family. And if you hear that, then you can say, in order to best support your family, we could take that pressure off of you by X, Y, and Z. Right. So hearing what's important to them lets you know how best to meet that need instead of having to do a hard sell right. and tell everything you possibly right. could do. That's right. Yeah, 98% of what we would say that we do mm-hmm. do- doesn't matter. And, and, and everybody is so different that they're picking out something different anyway. Mm-hmm. So it pays to, uh, that, that's been a big lesson over the last couple of years for me. I mean, it's taken that long to, to kind of shut up and go, you know what? You actually called me today, and I'm guessing you had a reason that you called me, and we haven't talked about that. What's that reason? Why'd you call? Mm-hmm. And that does start bringing out, and then I, I, you know we can start going, well, yeah, we are a good fit. And then occasionally, this is not going to work because we don't actually do what you're thinking that we mm-hmm. do. But we can't get there until we find out who you are and what you want. And, and that takes patience and patience. listening and having those listening skills. If when you're listening to someone... You are actually thinking about what you're going to say after they hush. Yeah, you're not and listening. You are no list- not listening. listening. And part of the coach training is learning how to, and we call it active listening, where you are like closing off what this internal voice of yours is saying and go for the total focus on what they're saying. And that's a great gift. There aren't many people who listen on that level. Yeah, that's 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 when incredible. I do when I do coach training for small groups and stuff like your staff or something. I do a, um, an exercise where I have a whole bunch of pictures I lay out on a table and I let everybody pick one based on just what resonates with them. And then we do this exercise where for three minutes, you're supposed to just talk about why you chose that picture. And the, your partner is just supposed to listen. They're not allowed to ask any questions. They're not allowed to interrupt. The only thing they can say is tell me more. Then when the timer goes off, we switch roles. And the other one, for three minutes, is supposed to tell about their picture. And the one listening is not supposed to ask any questions, interrupt. And then we debrief that exercise. What was going on inside your head? Well, when they started talking about that picture of the beach, I remembered when we went to Florida and I wanted to tell them about my favorite place down in, you know, Destin Destin or whatever. And how hard it is to listen for even three minutes. Right. And it's just a good um, experience to realize about the internal voice that's going on in our head. Absolutely. That's pretty cool. It is cool. It's fun. It's a fun way to get the need for that skill set across. So in wrapping up the show, what would be the – what is the – if someone – because I think out of this show, I think people are going to maybe think about coaching differently. Because, mm-hmm. again, I, I am. I'm thinking about it differently. Um, and so if someone wanted to to go out there and 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 what would be their first step to to find a coach? What, what, what's the recommendation? Where, where do they go? Well, if they're wanting a coach from a Christian perspective, I would recommend that they go to Christian Coaches Network. Okay. There's, there's a network and there's a directory and you can look for a coach in your area. You can find if that coach meets in person or if that coach, most coaches meet virtually nowadays, right. but, um, you can easily find one there. 
If they want to contact me, Sherry at advancedglobalcoaching.com. You know, I know coaches, and if they just tell me what kind of coach they're looking for, I might have someone in my networks that I could recommend. If um, if they know someone in ministry or in cross-cultural missions, of course, contact us. That's give sort of give people story. your website. It's advancedglobalcoaching.com. All right, cool. Well, let's check into uh, Advanced Global Coaching and Sherry Dodd. And uh, we want to thank you for being here today. Thanks, Sherry. This is pretty awesome to, my, to, my, to, my privilege. Thank to get a, a, just a new insight into counsel in a way I haven't thought about. Uh, you had Travis just stunned. I mean, I've never seen him not talk this much. You're he was just sitting there just stunned. Far and away the most intelligent guest that Joe has recommended. <laughs> so I, I'm sorry. When, when I realized that Joe knows somebody like you, I thought, wow, that's crazy. Thanks to Bill, too. Yeah. We got Bill, Bill behind the camera making sure everything is tight over there. And uh, before we, uh, we, we, we call it a day, we are on YouTube hopefully soon. This is our second video, but we're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, YesIRent.com slash podcast. Big truths of small business. Just Google it. We're there. We love you. Thanks for listening to us, and we're out. We got the truth. We got the truth. We got the truth of small business. We got the truth. We got the truth, we got the big truths of small business, sponsored by Yes I Rent, Yes I Rent, Yes I Rent, property management, replace good tents and collect your rent, maintain your properties and account for it, truth, we got the truth, we got the truths, we got the big truths. Small business sponsored by SI Rent. We will see you next time.